0: After having had its world premiere at the 64th Cannes Film Festival, the artist was released in select cities on November 25th, 2011 before eventually expanding. On February 26, 2012, the film ended up winning Five Academy Awards, including Best Picture. It was also the first film presented in the 4x3 aspect ratio to win since 1953's From Here to Eternity. Additionally, it was the first black and white film to win since 1993's Schindler's List, though the latter contained limited color sequences. It was the first 100% black and white film to win since 1960's The Apartment. So what was the road to Oscar Knights like for the artist? We're about to find out. Hello, everyone. This is Jeffrey Kerr. Welcome back to the Best Picture Backstory, where I am joined by a guest or two to discuss the history behind any previous Oscar winner for Best Picture. Today, we'll be talking about 2011's The Artist. Joining me for this conversation is Dan Bayer, who is a writer and podcaster for Next Best Picture. Hello, Dan.
1: Hi, Jeffrey.
0: And how are you today? I am
1: doing well. I'm excited to talk about this
0: movie. All right. The artist follows silent film star George Valentin, who just can't get enough of himself. He soaks up attention like a long-dried sponge absorbs some much-needed water. He's larger than life, and in his mind, larger even than his projected image, which appears on the big screen. Following the successful premiere of his latest hit, he has a run-in with a beautiful girl named Peppy Miller. While in the midst of an eager press corps, Suddenly, George and Pepe are the talk of the tabloids and entertainment rags. They appear together on the cover of Variety Engineering Kinograph Studios bossman Al Zimmer because the added press of his star means news for the movie's successful debut has been relegated to page 5. Soon, Peppy's living the dream up on the silver screen, first as an extra with every new picture moving On up the credit list Until she's poised to become Kinograph's newest and hottest attraction In fact, she's the perfect face Complete with her painted on beauty mark Courtesy of none other than George himself To head up Kinograph's new sound division Which Zimmer and company believe To be the future of filmed entertainment But George will have none of this talking business It sets out to prove that silent films remain king financing his own project while Kenograff and Pepe set out to make history and a fortune. The film was written and directed by Michel Hazanavicius and starred Jean Dujardin, Berenice Bejo, John Goodman, James Cromwell, Missy Pyle, Penelope Ann Miller, and Uggie the Dog. So to start things off, Dan, how did you first discover the artist? Uh, I don't know. I think if
1: first um, heard about it when it premiered at Cannes, I think it was at Cannes that year, Um, and everyone was sort of talking about the black and white silent film from France that was sort of taking the Riviera by storm, and everyone was very charmed by it, and as a lover of black and white films and silent films and all that sort of thing, I was immediately uh, struck by it. And knew that I wanted to see it. I saw it the second it came out in theaters, um, and was
2: fell in love with it.
0: <laughs> For me, well, I first discovered it through all the coverage going on during Oscar season that year. And this was actually one of the first years where I was really getting into the Oscar race. And it took a while for me to find a showing of it in my area. I was living in Northeast Ohio at the time. And thankfully, I was able to find it in a nearby theater about, I believe it might have been a week or two before the Oscars. So I was finally able to see it and I was glad I did because, yeah, I liked the movie a lot as well. In fact, I'll say it was my second favorite movie of the year
1: that's great mm-hmm. i think it was either it was somewhere up there for me too is either my favorite or close to it
0: and so what do you know of the film's backstory uh of how it came to be um i know that
1: hasna had wanted to make a silent film uh for a long time before this, and he after doing the, the spy spoofs, um, the OSS 17 films with Jean Dujardin, um, he finally sort of got the cachet, I guess, to to make the film that he had always wanted, which was this. And I know that um, the character that Jean Dujardin plays was
2: kind of based off of Douglas Fairbanks. Hmm. And one other uh silent actor um
0: who sort of didn't wasn't able to make the transition to sound films. I forget who it was but um
1: and do you
0: remember that much? Well, yeah, because from the research I've done, director Michelle Hosnavicius had been fantasizing about making a silent film for many years, both because many filmmakers he admires emerged in the silent era and because of the image-driven nature of the form. And according to Hosnavicius, his wish to make a silent film was at first, not taken seriously, but after the financial success of his spy film pastiches OSS 17 Cairo and Nest of Spies and OSS 17 Lost in Rio, producers started to express interest. The forming of the film's narrative started with Hasan Vicious's desire to work again with actors Jean Dujardin and Housen Vicious's real life wife Bernice Bejo, who had both starred in OSS 17 Cairo and Nest of Spies. Hazen Vicious chose the form of a melodrama mostly because he thought many of the films from the silent era that have aged best are of that genre he did extensive research about the 1920s hollywood and studied silent films to find the right techniques to make the story comprehensible without having to use too many intertiles and the screenplay took about four months to write yeah, which is kind of amazing. Um, and also, I do know that the screenplay
1: is like the shortest screenplay to ever be nominated for an Oscar. It's something like forty something pages, which is insanely short.
0: Well, yeah, especially for a, f- a film that doesn't have any talking in it at all, all until about the finale.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's literally what, like three lines mm-hmm. of dialogue in the whole thing. Yeah, and some laughter. <laughs>
0: And In fact, let's talk about this, because this the story does seem kind of reminiscent to a plot line from the 1952 movie musical Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and Singing in the Rain is my favorite movie of all time. It is my all-time number one. And what I love about the artist so much is that it's basically the inverse of Singing in the Rain, mm-hmm. whereas Singing in the Rain was a color... Sound film about the transition from uh, talkies from silent films to talkies. The artist is black and white silent film about that same transition, and I love that about it. I Mm. love that.
0: Oh yeah, it almost makes for a great double feature. (laughs) Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Um, I, I, yeah, everything about it is just like it's it's so clever in how it uses um, the silence and the the form of silent film to to do things. I love how, um,
2: you know, it starts at the big premiere, just like singing the rain (laughs) does. And we're sort of with the the team for the movie backstage as the movie finishes, and they sort of, like, lean in to hear what the audience's reaction is, and we can't
1: hear it, we have no clue, until they sort of like oh, a and oh good, they liked it, you know, mm-hmm. and it's all done with their faces, and just like, it plays with a lot of these expectations
0: uh, uh,
1: in really fun ways.
0: Well, yeah, and thankfully it's not a complete knockoff of Singing in the Ring, it really is its own thing.
1: It, it really is, it's not a knockoff, while it, it has similarities and it, and it borrows and makes homages to a lot of uh, classic Hollywood films and silent films and talkies, but it combines all of those things to make something that I think is pretty unique and has,
0: it certainly has a very unique sensibility let's talk about the films run during award season because leading up to the oscars that year the artists have won the critics choice for best picture the golden globe for best motion picture comedy musical the pga the dga and the bafta for best film and this was probably the most recent year we've had where one film completely swept through all of award season and went on to win big at the oscars yeah and it's pretty amazing. that a, you know, what really in the end is just this little curio film from France uh, done
1: in this style of, that has long since passed. I mean, you know, practically a hundred years, um, like 80 years since silent films were even a thing. Um, And it's pretty amazing that that is what, swept that year even you know and i get you know the academy definitely loves movies about hollywood um even though they don't always but they do generally speaking like them but even still like just the form of this film is it's a very strange
0: one to have received all that love but then you see it and it just it is the most charming thing <laughs> And technically, the artist is an American production, as it was not submitted for Best Foreign Language from or now international film, and it was shot in international film. <laughs> yeah, as principal photography took place in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, and principal photography it was shot on site in Hollywood. Like what Pepe's house that she ends up living in is actually Mary Pickford's. Um, first house, which is kind of amazing. And it's all shot on location and on some stages, even though it was entirely French financed, hmm. um, which is interesting. Or French, and I think there was a little bit of Belgian money in there too or something like that, but hmm. not, like, while it was shot in America, all French production, even though it was shot in America and had some American actors in it.
0: And some American crew members like costume designer Mark Bridges. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so the artists end up receiving 10 Academy Award nominations for Best Picture, Best Director for Michelle Vicious, Best Actor for Jean Dujardin, Best Supporting Actress for Bernice Beho, Best Original Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, and Best Original Score. So do you think the artists got all the nominations it deserved? If not, did it deserve more or less? Um, I think it pretty much got all the nominations
1: it deserved. I... i I don't think that it deserved any more than that um i definitely don't think it deserved any less
0: (laughs) yeah i'm actually in agreement on this one yeah i think again i got everything but however here's a good question would you consider bernice beho lead or supporting
1: um i i do consider her supporting i think that uh Jean Dujardin, Serge Valentin is the sole lead of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can always you can always make the argument that she's the leading female role, but um, really, it's the movie is focused on him, not
0: on her. Well, oh, yeah, because I know the only lead acting nomination she got at a, any major precursor was the BAFTA. On Oscar night, the artist won five of those awards, which were Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Costume Design, and Best Original Score. So do you think it got all the wins it deserved? If not, did it deserve more or less? That is a really good question. I love all of its wins. Um, I would not take any of those wins away. Mm -hmm. Um, I am looking
2: at the... The list of other things I may have—I would toy with giving it best art direction. I, I haven't seen Hugo in a long time, and that's the one that won there. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but I part of the charm of this is, you know, the the sets and the recreations of uh, 1920s and 30s era Hollywood, and I—I I really love it. But I
2: think that's the only one. Um, I would not give it screenplay.
1: As much as I love Berenice Bave, I would not give her the supporting actress Oscar either.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there was no taking down Octavia Spencer for the help. (laughs) Or Jessica Chastain for the help. So, in fact, uh, let's take a look over a lot of the categories the artist was nominated, in some cases, one in. Okay, so... Art direction, you said you personally have given it art direction over the eventual winner Hugo, as well as uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, Midnight in Paris and the Warhorse?
1: Yeah, I, I would definitely consider it. Uh, like I said, it's, it's been a long time since
0: I've seen Hugo. Hmm. Um, and I might
1: have given it that over over Hugo.
0: In fact, one thing worth noting is this was the last year the category was called Best Art Direction before being renamed Best Production Design the year after. Yeah. As for me... I actually think Hugo rightfully won. In fact, I remember being surprised at how Hugo was overperforming and wins Oscar night because a lot of people weren't predicting Hugo to really match the artist with the most wins of the night. I remember Richard Rober only predicted Hugo to win sound editing and sound mixing, and that was it. Yeah.
1: You could make a case for um, the artist in the sound to have gotten nominations
0: in the sound categories as well, which is strange since it's a quote unquote silent film. Well, the artist wasn't nominated in uh, neither sound categories. I know,
1: but you could have made a case for it to be nominated in those categories. Mm. I don't think one. I don't think you could
2: make a case that it should have won, but I think you could have made a case for it being nominated. Well, oh,
0: yeah, that definitely was shown how much the Academy really loved the artists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the thing that puts Hugo ahead of the artists for me is that, well, the production design is colorful, which obviously is in color. And the fact that, well, it's obviously bigger, which, you know, my boss at Gold Derby, Tom O'Neill, often says that in order to win, you got to have the most of something like the bigger picture wins production design or something yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, and the recreation of, you know, France and um, the the station there is, it's, it's pretty incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. And marked the third win for the team of Dante Ferretti and Francesca Lee Chivalvo after having previously won for the Aviator and Sweeney Todd. Let's get to best costume design, which the artists did one in. They won over Anonymous, Hugo, Jane Eyre, and W.E.,
1: In this movie I think they are close to flawless <laughs> I mean it's part of the whole thing I mean particularly all the the dresses that uh, Bernie Bejo wears and mm-hmm. the furs and the hats and everything it's just it's perfect it's dead on recreations and homages to that the style of the day um, it, there's there's a little bit of uh, something I cheeky is, I think, that when it moves to the 30s, she's still wearing that flapper style, um, even though it would have been a little bit uh, démodé by mm. that time. Uh, but I kind of like it that they're like sticking with the image that she was branded with, <laughs> you know, when when she became the star, and that's something that Hollywood likes to do and likes to do particularly then. And she got see, so she got in her advice on how to become a star and an actress from George, and he's not there to tell her, like, you know, no, you can't stick up for yourself and do other things. Um, it makes sense that that's how she would look, and I kind of like
2: that little
0: bit to it. Well, yes. In fact, this was the first of two wins for Mark Bridges. He recently won his second Oscar almost a couple of years ago for Phantom Thread, as well as a jet ski for giving the shortest speech of the night. <laughs> I remember that so well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think the artist is a great winner in this category, although personally, I probably would have leaned a little more towards Hugo just because I love the color scheme that Sandy Powell used as well as the attractiveness of those costumes. But, again, I definitely don't begrudge the artist winning that.
1: Yeah, like, this is is a pretty great lineup of costume design, actually. Like, anonymous is... (laughs) is something else but the costumes in it are pretty jaw-dropping mm-hmm. we
0: is not a great movie either but the again the costumes are they're highly covetable <laughs> well yeah after all the award isn't best costume design in a good movie it's best yes. costume design in general so, on to Best Cinematography, where the nominees were The Artist, The Girl, The Dragon, Tattoo, The Tree of Life, War Horse, and the eventual winner, Hugo. So, what do you think? Should The Artist have won here, or do you think Hugo rightfully won, or do you think something else should have taken it? Emmanuel Lebeski's loss for The Tree of Life in this category is one of the all-time worst Oscar losses. Hmm. Understandable, but hey, at least this was the final loss he had before he started winning three years in a row for Gravity, Birdman, and The Revenant. <laughs> they had to make it up to him somehow. <laughs> well, yes, and and Roger Deakins could be facing a similar thing where if he wins the second Oscar for 1917 this year. Oh yeah. So you personally would have given it to The Tree of Life. And I admittedly have not seen The Tree of Life, so... What? I know, I know. I mean, I have seen images from it, though, so I can definitely see it. I mean, see how it would have been a worthy winner. In fact, you know, given how much the Academy has loves to spread the wealth, it, it, since in the expansion era where there's more Best Picture nominees, this could have been the best place they could have awarded it. Yeah. In fact, how would you rank the nominees for cinematography from the, this Particular year. Ooh. Um That's tough. Uh Tree of Life would obviously be at the top. Um I probably put Warhorse second mm. and then Hugo and then uh, eh, I mm,
2: and then Girl with the Dragon tattoo and then the artist. Hmm. Um I, I like the cinematography and the artist, there's so much, but it, when, you know, when it's all said and done, they're working within a pretty limited um, range of what you can do be, with um, black and white and the Academy framing and all that. And they do the best of it that they can, but I think the
1: others in this category just came up with more memorable images, um, and camera movement that the artist did.
0: Well, yeah, again, the most cinematography tends to win. Like, In fact, this was one of many years where the big, I guess, big-budget visual effects 3D movies won cinematography, where Hugo won it, as well as Gravity, Avatar, and Life of Pi. Mm-hmm. In fact, I might say, well, of the films I have seen, well, in fact, this really looked like a pretty stellar lineup, but not only with yeah. the work that was done, but even with the people in contention. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I
0: I think for now, the, of the films I have seen, I might lean a little more towards Hugo, but again, pretty stellar lineup.
1: Yeah, they did a good job with this category. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, best film editing. So the nominees were The Artist, The Descendants, Hugo, Moneyball, and the eventual winner, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So, what are your thoughts on this category? Um, i <laughs> It's been a while since I have seen uh, Hugo, and but from what I remember, it's very well edited, as
1: anything edited by Thelma Schoonmaker always is. Um, and i moneyball is also very well edited as is the artist and the girl with the dragon tattoo and i think the descendants is only here because they just really like that movie for some unfathomable
0: reason well yes because i listened to kevin jacobson's on second thought podcast with you and matt sinclair and yeah i'm with you i was not a fan of the descendants no
1: i i despise that movie
0: and here I've only seen three of the movies, which were The Artist, Descendants, and Hugo. I've not seen Girl the Dragon Tattoo uh, nor Moneyball. In fact, I remember Girl the Dragon Tattoo winning this was a big surprise, given that it was the only film that was in this category that was not a Best Picture nominee, and the editing team of Angus Waltz and Kirk Baxter just won the year before for the social network. Yeah surprise on the night um mm-hmm. it was almost a surprise that it got nominated here and didn't get nominated for best picture mm-hmm. um if i if i remember correctly um, and it i mean it's it's well edited um
1: i i think uh, my i have issues with that film um a lot of issues with that film and i don't think that i would give them the win but it, it's a worthy
0: nominee well, oh, for the time being, I'm not sure if I really have any thoughts on who should have won this category. I mean, maybe I would have given it to the artist by default, which would have marked another win for Michelle Hausen and Vicious since he was one of the editors. Yeah, I, that's really um, that kind of my feeling about it, too. Like,
2: I, of these films, the artist was my favorite, therefore I would probably have voted for it.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, now on to Best Original Score. The nominees there were The Adventures of Tintin, Hugo, Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, Warhorse, and the eventual winner, The Artist. So, thoughts on this category? I would easily give this uh,
1: win to The Artist. Um, I, I have, The only one of these I haven't seen is Tintin. Huh. Um, and I like all the other scores, but don't love them. And the the score for the artist i i love i love the um that i guess it becomes the sort of main theme of the film i love it a whole bunch um the the opening uh scenes the sort of like bouncy peppy stuff is you sort of listen to that and go like well this is fun and it's a you know great recreation of the types of scoring they did for uh, movies back in the day but it's not particularly great um no great jinx or anything but then when it when it really gets going and it gets into the more romantic themes of the movie um i really really love it A use of bernard herman's vertigo score aside
0: <laughs> okay i have two notes to give First, you should definitely watch The Adventures of Tintin. I think it's a very underrated animated film, especially underrated from Steven Spielberg's filmography. And uh, second of all, I agree that I think the artist rightfully won here, you know, especially given it's a silent movie where there's no talking till the very end. You know, the music really has to be the one to carry it through to really, I guess, keep the elevate the emotions,
2: Yeah, I mean, the
1: music, the score is front and center
0: for
2: Mm -hmm.
1: the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And, I mean, just as equally impressive are the moments that they choose to not have any music playing in Mm -hmm. it, frankly. Um, And I I love every choice that they made with the score, even the use of Vertigo, because I love that music.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, But, uh, like, and outside of that, you know the score the original parts of the score are great
0: hmm. now onto best original screenplay the nominees were the artist bridesmaids margin call a separation and the eventual winner midnight in paris so you're, what are your thoughts on this category did midnight in paris rightfully win
1: this is a great category and i would only not give it to midnight in paris because a separation is
0: perfect Oh, yeah, and that was by Asghar Ferradi who did win Best Foreign Language Film, albeit it's really awarded to his country, not so much to him, even though I believe he does keep the Oscar, at least. Uh, no, uh, well, I think it depends on the country.
1: Most of the countries um, get the Oscar and do something with it. I think some of them will give it to the director, but some
0: don't. And he, of course, famously won several years later for another movie which he did not show up in kind of as protest to donald trump's travel ban (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah the separation is just perfect and it it starts with that screenplay that that screenplay is just (laughs) god it is a perfect jewel cut crystalline thing you can't Add
1: or remove anything to that screenplay without making the film worse. Hmm. I, it is just it's beautifully, perfectly written, and um, that the film only builds on the greatness of the screenplay. Um, if you ask me.
0: Okay, so in fact, how would you rank the nominees overall?
1: Uh, so I would have a separation as number one. Uh, Bridesmaids is three.
0: Um, uh, what was number two? Oh, know, so bridesmaids is two. <laughs> the Separation, then um, then uh, uh, then the Night in Paris, then The Artist, and Margin Call Last. But the margin between number three and number five is very, very small. I think... Midnight in Paris rightfully won this, even though we are awarding Woody Allen another Oscar, even though he doesn't show up, nor well, of course, given the allegations made against him in <laughs> recent years, but you know, I thought, still, I, I mean I'm a guy who separates the art from the artist and I think yeah. Midnight in Paris is a wonderful movie, very original which, of course, often wins Best Original Screenplay, the most original. Yeah, I think it rightfully won there. I, I really like uh, Midnight in Paris a whole lot, and
1: I think the only reason that I I rank it you know relatively low is that I just can't um, with how he writes um, the Rachel McAdams and her family's characters. I, I think they're some of the most gratingly, needlessly awful characters he's ever written. Um, And, like, somewhat so that they come close to ruining the film for me. But everything else in that movie is great among the best stuff he's ever
0: written. Mm -hmm. And we already touched on Best Supporting Actress earlier, so I guess moving on. Well, so we (laughs) both agree that Octavia Spencer rightfully won over Berenice Bejo and everyone else? I I would personally have voted for Jessica Chastain over Octavia Spencer, but... Yeah, so Best Actor, which Jean Dujardin did win, he won over Damien Bashir in A Better Life, George Clooney in The Descendants, Gary Oldman in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and Brad Pitt in Moneyball. So do you think Jean Dujardin rightfully won? Absolutely.
2: freaking lutely I agree. <laughs> I mean, he, what
1: he does in this movie... I mean, first of all, he has just the, the look of movie stars from that time down pat and the, the like, and it, you know, not just his, his incredibly handsome face, but the, the facial expressions that he makes and the, um, the way he holds his body and the joy that he has when he is performing and making movies is flawless. And then he has to, I mean, then he runs through all the gamut of emotions in this, and has to do it without the benefit of dialogue um, to get anything across, mm. and he just, it, again, like, it, both he and the movie themselves are just so goddamn charming, mm. <laughs> and that goes a long way towards making it great, but then, like, he really like gets to the core of this man's emotions, the way that all the best uh, silent era film stars did with their characters. It, it. I think it's one of the best best actor wins of this decade.
0: Mm. And it does seem kind of underappreciated by today's standards at this point.
1: Yeah, I and I think there's a lot of that. You know, the, I mean, it, it's hard to uh, separate any
2: film from Miramax or the Weinstein Company from harvey weinstein yeah especially, especially now and
1: but even then like you know with his very aggressive campaign practices um but yeah i kind of maintain that even if it didn't have him behind it this film would have um done very very well for itself at the oscars yeah. um and there there's <laughs> just no denying how great john is in this i think um and i get that some for a lot of people they just don't like silent films
0: (laughs) yeah they're just not as accessible
1: really fine but you still have to recognize you know the skill when it's there and well, my god i mean what he does in this movie is incredible
0: well yeah you have to give it credit for what it achieved Mm mm-hmm now, Best Director, where Michelle Hazanavicius won, he won over Alexander Payne and The Descendants, Martin Scorsese and Hugo, Woody Allen for Midnight in Paris, and Terrence Malick for The Tree of Life. So, what are your thoughts on this category? I, it's very hard for me to choose between Hazanavicius and
1: Terrence Malick, um, and in the end, yeah, you know, I gotta, I, I kind of have to give, give it to Hazanavicius because the. To even try to make this movie takes a brass of balls. And it's it so flawlessly recreates, you know, that style of movie making. And it's really ultimately all down to him. And I got to give him the credit for this
0: movie. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And, well, yeah, you can see this was all his vision. So this is the best place to have awarded him, I think. In fact, I'll say he was my second-place choice. My first place was actually Martin Scorsese for Hugo.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: That, that guys, does kind of transition to the final category, Best Picture, where the artist won over The Descendants, Extremely Loud, Incredibly Close, The Help, Hugo, Midnight's in Paris, Moneyball, The Tree of Life, and War Horse. So, and I saw on Twitter you watched the artist for the first time since its theatrical release last night, so... <laughs> And do you think the artist rightfully won, or do you think something else should have taken it? Look, like, 2011 is a weird Oscar year. Yeah. Um, in terms of the movies that were nominated and the movies that won, um, and I I look at this lineup, and I, I don't think any of the other nominees would really hold up as well as the best picture winner as the artist does, except. Maybe the Tree of Life, um, which was never,
1: ever going to win.
0: Well, yeah, especially since it didn't have nominations for screenplay nor editing. Yeah, and it's just like, it's very much like
1: an auteur art film, you know, in every way that it can possibly be. Um, That was never going to get the sort of broad appeal that you need to win. Um, But, you know, looking at this list, other than Tree of Life, this is my favorite of these films by a pretty decent margin and again like it's just just the most charming goddamn movie (laughs) i i find it really hard to begrudge it its win here i do and i think it's incredibly deserving especially in this lineup um and i know it gets a lot of hate for it but i i love it
0: (laughs) Yeah, me too. I mean, I mean, granted, the, early, the beginning of this decade, the first few Best Picture winners. Well, I'd say they're all deserving in their own rights. I mean, they they haven't gone on to be like the most beloved Best Picture winners of all time. Not only the artist, but also King's Speech here before and Argo the year after. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, they definitely went on a wave of sort of like movies about movies for a while there, um, because I think they didn't no one really quite
1: knew what to do with the 10 but maybe not wide field mm. <laughs> um but yeah and i think th- i think when you look at this this best picture lineup in comparison to um other lineups from this decade i i think it's a little weaker um especially since it comes between two incredibly strong lineups but god damn it i mean this movie holds up <laughs>
0: Yeah, I agree. And my favorite movie from 2011 was Hugo, so it would have had my vote for Best Picture, but The Artist was my second-place choice, so I don't begrudge at all, and I think it's a great Best Picture winner. Yeah,
1: I I agree. It's a great Best Picture winner. And anyone who thinks otherwise, uh, I
0: want to ask who hurt you as a child Except <laughs> not accept joy in your life. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, and we should also point out that the artist ended up being the final Best Picture winner that was distributed by the now disgraced Harvey Weinstein, so... Yeah. I mean, but but just before we stop, like, I want to say how much I love that, like, this is the first silent film to have won since literally the first Best Picture winner ever. Yeah. (laughs) I love that
1: fact a whole hell of a lot. I, I think it's, you know, like, it's, you know, it's fun that, you know, like, it sort of comes around full circle, you know. And mm-hmm. that is paying homage to those types of movies like Wings um, for it to be the first one to win since Wings.
0: I, I love it. Yeah, so the artist was the first Best Picture winner not to be rated R since Million Dollar Baby. And the last one until Green Book this past year. Yeah. So again, I guess that just about does it for our discussion on the artist. So thank you for joining me today, Dan. Oh, my pleasure. For those who'd like to keep up with your work, where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at DanceAndDanOnFilm. You can find me generally
1: on the Next Best Picture podcast. And you can find my writing both at Next Best Picture and uh, a little more rarely at The Film Experience.
2: Hmm.
0: Okay, so thanks again for joining me today, Dan. This was great getting to talk to you, and hopefully, we'll have you on more in the future.
2: Yeah, I love that.
0: If you like what you've heard here, please subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. Feel free to rate and/or review this show on iTunes. If you'd like to find more content from me please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.com. You can also find it on Twitter at Carereviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all later.